to 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. You can text or you can use the WhatsApp messaging application to send a message. And just give a little bit of time for me to be able to see those messages sometimes on a break or uh, because I don't have any guests tonight. The other thing I want to tell you is that Tonight's a little different. I'm almost always in studio. I think only over the last year, maybe on three occasions of about 50 episodes have I been calling, have I been calling in, but I am calling in to the show tonight myself. I'm in upstate New York at my home here. And you just be a little patient because our radio engineer in studio in Brooklyn may need a little bit longer than usual to pick up your call and, and to get you on the, on the show if you'd like to be on. Okay, <clears throat> so usually what I do is introduce guests. So here we go. This is going to be a little weird. I'm going to introduce myself, and I feel like I have a relationship with many listeners over, over the last year. I've opened up a lot about my life, but maybe I haven't given, like, more of the professional resume. So here goes really quickly. I was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Both of my parents are immigrants to the United States, effectively first-generation immigrants. I mean, my, my mother, although, however, my mother grew up her entire life in the United States. My father from Colombia, my mother from, like, Eastern Europe via Israel through her, through her parents who were Holocaust survivors. My dad came from a really uh, very humble background, and my mother's parents, I mean, economically and socially, and my mother's parents... Uh, came to the United States, you know, without, without a proverbial dollar in their pocket, so to speak, uh, to uh, Ellis Island. I grew up with a real emphasis on education and also with an emphasis on giving back and an understanding of what it means to be poor and to not be born into a privilege. Uh, I wasn't a, a perfect kid or teenager by anybody's definition, but I did study really hard, and I ended up graduating from Harvard. I, I did my undergrad there, and I also got a master's certificate. And I went to work at, at Goldman Sachs. I worked really hard at an investment bank where you typically would work like 100 hours a week. And then in my late 20s, I did that for about five years. And in my late 20s, I went out and uh, started my first business during the Internet bubble. We're talking about right at the end of the 90s. And I had a spectacular growth in a business that went from – you know, just a couple of us putting together the idea to, to several hundred employees and raised $60 million in financing. The company was called GovWorks, and it was about giving back to citizenry, really, making government more engaging online. This is pre-smartphone, pre-you being able to pay your parking tickets online, pre-you being able to get a hunting or fishing license online. It was, it was you know, pre-that revolution, and, and we brought a lot of those technology tools to, like, municipal governments and states and even national and federal government initiatives. And it was an amazing business idea, but it failed brutally when the Internet bubble burst in 2000. And we had, like, most of our capital had come in the form of venture debt, and we couldn't make our payments, and the company had to go through restructuring and got sold. So I had my first experience with failure uh, at uh, 30, where I'd lost all the money I'd saved. I My dad had left his pension career in public service to come join me at that company at GovWorks, it was called. And I felt like a total failure um, at that age when I was 30 and starting over. And in fact, I had personally guaranteed an office lease for that company. So I wasn't, I like, was not, I was starting, not only starting at zero, I was starting at like, you know, negative almost a million dollars. And 
Then I worked you know, very hard through the aughts. I used that failure experience to consult with venture firms and entrepreneurs who were going through crisis. And, and I uh, was able to have a couple of successful companies that were built or rescued and then sold. And by the mid-aughts, I was able to get involved with a really cool startup called Jump TV, where we were uh, broadcasting television signals on the Internet around the world to immigrant communities. So, for example, if you were like Ethiopian and living in Minneapolis, Minnesota, or Washington, D.C., which are two places where there happened to be a strong Ethiopian community in the United States, you'd have the opportunity to watch ERTV, Ethiopian radio and television, the news broadcast, or local sports and local soap operas and stuff that you couldn't get on cable because there wasn't a big enough Ethiopian community to have it carried on Comcast or satellite television. So... You know, this was before Netflix. This is well, Netflix existed distributing CDs, but before all the online video revolution had taken place. And so it was a really revolutionary idea at the time. And Jump TV became quite successful. We brought it public and on the Toronto Stock Exchange and on the Stock Exchange in London. I did very well financially throughout the course of, of the aughts. And then near the end of the aughts, I got involved in buying a company called the Woo Group. It was a uh, software company in the media technology space, and uh, it grew again. It was like on its on its deathbed, basically. It was doing about $9 million of revenue at the time that I bought it, but it bought control of it, but it was losing a ton of money. It had way too many employees, it had bloated cost structure, and worked really hard for a number of years in restructuring that company and turning it around, and we grew both organically through sales of software to TV broadcasters around the world to help them go online. And we also grew uh, inorganically, so to speak, by acquiring a lot of competitors. And by 2012, you know, we had 1,500 employees and we were doing almost $300, $300 million, excuse me, of revenues on like a, on an annualized basis. And, and so that felt like a big success. We brought it uh, public on the NASDAQ in, in 2009 and it was just uh, an extraordinary uh, experience, but, but, and this is where the story gets uh, very challenging to open up and, and, and tell, but I'm going to, that starting in about 2012, my business career really started to, to take a turn uh, for the worse. Uh, there were problems at, at, at Kit Digital at first problems that were kind of seen political in nature. And I was kicked out as, as CEO. And then I resigned as chairman. I tried to buy the company back in the public markets and failed at that. And then years later, when I had pivoted my attention at that point to doing real estate projects and hotel stuff, I was arrested. I was arrested in 2015. Uh, I was on a business trip to Columbia and I was arrested, actually, ironically, on my way back to the United States. I was in the Bogota airport. I had been in the coastal city of Cartagena, Colombia, where I was working on a hotel project. And I was coming back uh, for the Rosh Hashanah holidays in the United States, the Jewish New Year. And I was arrested under a U.S. arrest warrant that was given to the Colombian authorities there. And at first, when I was arrested, I really had no idea what it was about. And I figured it was a business thing because I couldn't think it would be anything else. But I was involved in so many companies and boards and, and so forth that I, I really didn't know what it was about. In fact, my first assumption was that it was a, about a company called Digital Domain that I'd been in the board of that had a, some problems a number of years earlier. As it turns out, it was actually about that last company I mentioned, 
originally called the Wu Group and then renamed Kit Digital. And the problems were related to accounting and falsified invoices and uh, presumptively inflated stock price and securities fraud, effectively. And as a result of that warrant, I ended up in prison in Colombia for about 10 and a half months. And I ended up in three different prisons there, which were uh, absolutely uh, brutal. Uh, they were some of the, at least in one, one of them was one of the 10 worst prisons in the world, according to the U.S. State Department. And as some of you know from previous shows, um, I almost lost my life there. I was physically assaulted. I was sexually assaulted uh, by a gang of four people. Uh, I almost took my own life after that. I was almost killed. I almost took my own life as well uh, from, I don't mean to laugh, I just don't know how else to express it other than to uh, to cover the emotion and just try to get through it with you and, and, and put out the facts. And so finally I was able to return to the United States uh, in mid-2016 after being in prison for about 10 and a half months in Colombia. And I began what is a legal battle that has continued to this day and to some extent ends tomorrow, or at least a big chapter of it ends tomorrow. And I'll get to that in the course of this show. And it's what's it's really the genesis of this show. I want to be open and honest with you as listeners who I feel at this point are kind of family to some degree. So this illegal battle is involved wearing an ankle bracelet, being on uh, home confinement. Of course, I'm allowed to go out for religious observance and work and volunteer work and so forth, but living a very restricted life for the last five years since July 18, 2016 is when I was released from prison. And it's involved going through a trial, uh, five of the original eight charges against me, uh, securities fraud-related charges were dropped, but I was found guilty by a jury of my peers uh, by on three of those charges, three conspiracy charges, conspiracy to commit fraud. And after that, I've been in a multi-year uh, motion practice kind of limbo where we've filed what are kind of akin to appeals. They're not technically appeals. We may appeal at the next level if needed. But these are motions that you file to the uh, the court, the, the judge that presides over your case. They're called Rule 29 and Rule 33 motions that refer to certain articles of law. And just about uh, two months ago, I lost those Rule 29 and Rule 33 motions. And my sentencing was finally scheduled. And my sentencing is scheduled for tomorrow. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Um, you know, God willing, uh, the work that I've done, uh, the time I've served in prison and the, and the work that I've done in the world over these years, both before my arrest and since my arrest, to uh, try to make the world a better place and try to uh, be more of a giver than a taker and to try to uh, turn my life around. I'm going to get to that as well. Um, will be taken into consideration with, you know, as we say in, in, in Hebrew, Hashem, so God willing, with the blessing of God, I'd be a sentence to time served or additional uh, community service, which is part of my life so intric- so integrally now that it wouldn't feel like an additional sentence. It would feel like something that I should and, and would want to do. But of course, uh, there's also the possibility that I would be reincarcerated, God forbid. And, um, and I don't know, there's even a chance that this is my last show with you, uh, again, God forbid, but I, you know, I, I was very tempted not to do the show tonight and to put on a repeat and to kind of not um, be open with you. 
And I was uh, also wondering even if I was, would I be able to emotionally keep it together? And uh, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep it together. We're in live, so I'll know in a minute. I'll know in 15 minutes, but I'm doing my best. And before we go to our first break, I want to express uh, two things. Um, and I wanted to give you kind of the background so the rest of the show would make sense. But first of all is that the resume I gave you is my business resume. I told you I was born, but I didn't tell you that I'm the oldest of five siblings. I didn't tell you that I'm a father. I didn't tell you that I have seven nephews and a niece. I didn't tell you that I have beloved cousins. I didn't tell you that I have amazing parents. I didn't tell you that I have a, a world of friends and loved ones that are um, a total blessing. I mean, very few people, I think, in this world, despite all the pain, of course, pain has come with some of those people. I'm going to ask for forgiveness tonight to number those people. But I don't think there are many people that walk on this planet that have had um, the blessing of more genuine love and support. And I am grateful beyond anything I'm going to be able to express on this show or in my whole lifetime for that. I also didn't tell you that I've been in a spiritual journey my whole life. Uh, I was not brought up with the idea to be a business person. I was not brought up with the idea that the goals had to do with recognized achievement or material comfort. I was not brought up with the idea that you wanted to gra- graduate you know, from Harvard as a means of, of, uh, of showing how successful you were uh, and not, certainly not brought up to work in an investment bank. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying, I, telling you I wasn't brought up to do that. I was brought up going with my parents to shanty towns in Columbia as a kid and working on basic issues of potable water. I was brought up in such a way that on my spiritual journey, when I was 18, I lived in an ashram in India and worked with the local untouchable community, working with extraordinary suffering that I probably actually haven't seen with my own eyes to this day, levels of poverty and levels of misery that are almost unspeakable. I was brought up in such a way that I knew that, that my life was about finding meaning at a spiritual level. And boy, have I journeyed. I was born Jewish. Um, I also have had a lot of influence in my life. I have family members who are Catholic who I love uh, in the same way. So I, I love no differently based on religion or creed. And I, and I see the beauty um, in that tradition. Last week, we had Father Kennedy on this program. A couple weeks prior, uh, we had a Dominican friar on the program, Father Joseph Hagen. I've had Buddhist monks on this program. I'd love to have a, an imam from Islam on this program. I had not done that. Many rabbis. Thank you. Thank you to all the rabbis <laughs> on this program. Uh, and I was brought up to respect everybody's journey to the Lord, accept everybody's journey um, to finding meaning. And... Um, and I was brought up more to do a show like this than I was to do those things, you know, part of my business resume that led to the uh, where I ended up uh, in, in my legal case. And let me just um, now conclude before our first break. With respect to that legal case, I am not here to say that I was faultless uh, and not here as a, as, a, as a means of some sort of legal defense or stratagem. In fact, my lawyers don't know until they probably got the social media blast one minute before I got on the air that I would be on the air. I'm here at my own risk. I'm here by my own volition. I'm here to share a story with you and hope that it will be helpful in your life and, frankly, selfishly, in the hope that it will provide some catharsis in mine. So when we come back after the first break, I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh, what I would li- like to ask for forgiveness for. And I would like to ask you listening 
to think about what you would like to ask forgiveness for. Who would you like to ask forgiveness to? Um, and who would you like to forgive for their transgression? You can go as big as you want. You talk about President Trump or <laughs> the, the, the Prime Minister of India or go, quote, unquote, as small as you want, something you did when you were fifth grade bullying on a playground. I don't care. I just Please join me in this, uh, in this journey of forgiveness and healing tonight. Okay? I'm Doug Tuzman. This is Equal Footing. You are on Equal Footing with me tonight. And our number to participate is 718-303-9090. And you can also text at 718-303-9090. And you can also text a question or comment to 917-428-4062. And we'll be right back. Okay, well, I am now tasked with doing uh, one of our uh, sponsored uh, bits. That's going to be hard. i got to emotionally shift. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it from the heart, and I'm going to thank this sponsor, DocuVax. DocuVax is a wonderful company. I've been involved since its inception. I feel passionate about what it's doing. It's dedicated to public health. It's dedicated to preventative health. It's dedicated to providing greater equity and access to information, people's medical records, and making it less costly and easier to keep up to date on your vaccines, your medical records. Check out DocuVax, D-O-C-U-V-A-X.com. You can also call. And I am conscious of the fact that my headset has just died. You are on live. I'm hoping it's hard. It'll be interesting doing this. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Hopefully I'm on. DocuVax covers over 60 different important elements of your medical profile, from COVID and flu and tetanus vaccines to colorectal and breast cancer screenings to your blood type and your allergies. Keep track. Help your employees, if you're a small and medium-sized business owner, keep track of their medical records. Help your family, if you're a parent in charge of this type of thing, to have all your medical records in one place. This isn't my charts. This isn't a way for your doctors to communicate with you, for your doctors to communicate with each other. This is a way for you to know where all your medical records are and to be able to validate them 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, for whatever purpose you have. If you want to travel and need to prove you had a vaccine, you want your kid to go to school, and prove the same. You want to be able to make sure you remembered, when was the last time I had that colonoscopy? When was the last time I had that breast cancer screening? Get your medical records into a HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility that you can access at any time. It's accessible to you 24 hours a day, and you have medical professionals that are on call to validate anything in your, in your medical locker. The number, if you prefer to call, to call and sign up, is 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. Or you can go to docuvax.com. That's D-O-C-U-V-A-X.com. And for as little as $6.99 per month, DocuVax, subscri- DocuVax subscribers, either that sign up themselves or if a sponsor like a business or a family member signs them up, can privately access all of their medical records. So take control of your medical file. Your medical file does not belong to your insurance company. It does not even belong to your doctor. It belongs to you. 
Go to DocuVax.com or sign up at, by calling 833-859-1933, 833-859-1933, and DocuVax, thank you for being a sponsor of Equal Footing for the last year. I've been All right, you're back on equal footing. This is an intense show. I need help, guys. I need folks to write in. I need people to call it. You've got to join me here. Forgiving, asking for forgiveness and forgiving. Isn't it interesting I said the first forgiving? Um, because I think to some degree it's really hard to ask for forgiveness before we've forgiven. Um, and, you know, forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. Uh, I'm right now at home. I almost never have done this show from home. I think only two cases have I done that. Even during the pandemic, I used to go in with my mask. And Dimitri, who I want to thank, our radio engineer, amazing. He would be in there, would be in with our masks, would be alone in the studio. But here I am from home tonight, and I have a little pillow right near me. Uh, it sits on a bench in my living room, and it says, um, forgive, uh, don't, you know what, I'm going I'm to walk over and make sure I quote it correctly. It says, Forgive, but remember. Okay, forgive, but remember. And this was given me, to me um, by a tycoon, by a business tycoon who invested in my first business. And that business failed. He lost about $10 million in that business. This is 2000. Um, and I went into, I was walking around looking for forgiveness. And I'm really, I mean, in a, in a, with a selfish agenda, to be clear, because I wanted to, like, make sure I was closing the loop with investors. Of course, there were thousands and thousands of businesses failing at the time. I had talked about this in the intro. This is a company called GovWorks. And I was going around to our large investors, trying to hit every one of our investors, in fact, and, and, and ask for forgiveness if the business hadn't worked, even though the Internet bubble had burst, so many businesses had not worked. And I, you know, also wanted them to invest in me in the future. <laughs> I wanted to tell them about my new business, which is, you know, helping to work with venture capital firms to rescue other businesses, blah, blah, blah. So it was a selfish agenda. And he was so kind. Um, he gave me this pillow that I still have that was in his office. Uh, and he immediately forgave. And he said the key was for me to forgive myself, but remember the mistakes I had made. And I want to tell that man, uh, his name was Henry, is Henry Kravis. He's still alive. And, and uh, many people see him as a shark. You know, he was one of the founders of the private equity um, movement, you know, world, uh, founder of, one of the founders of KKR. But I saw a different side to him through the Endeavor Initiative we worked on, working with uh, entrepreneurs in the third world at the time, and his participation on my board. Um, he was also the father of uh, a friend, of his daughter, who was a couple years younger than me in college. And I saw a softer side of him. And uh, at that point, um, I... He was giving me a life lesson that I then really didn't take to heart like I should. So I'm, I'm taking to heart right now. Forgive, but remember. We need to forgive others. We need to forgive ourselves. But we still need to remember the mistakes that we've made, mistakes that others have made. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start um, by the, addressing the elephant in the room. And that's a funny maybe slip of the tongue because in my, in my legal case, one of the things that was told to the jury and I want to be clear, uh, and this may work to my detriment, but I do want to be clear that I, I accept responsibility and I am not faultless and, and, and I am terribly sorry for what occurred. 
uh, at, at Kit Digital, the company that I was um, found guilty of with respect to securities fraud, conspiracy to commit securities fraud. But that doesn't mean that the process went as it should, and it doesn't mean that it that 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 things are as simple as they seem, or that things weren't that there weren't all sorts of complexities that I wish could have been exposed and the jury could have understood and lots of stories that I would have loved to have told. And it's one of my great life regrets that I didn't testify at the trial. Topic for another show. In fact, we did a show <laughs> six or seven months ago where we addressed this to some degree. But here's, here's the point. I, oh, I forgot my train of thought there. Elephant. <laughs> so the elephant in the room is obviously my legal case. Well, one of the things that was told to the jury in my case is that there are all these code words. Uh, one of them was elephant. <laughs> when I was, I've used the code word elephant since I was like 20 in business. It's like slay the elephant, the idea of knocking down a big pin and achieving something in business. But in my case, the prosecutors um, made the argument to the jury that I think was, was accepted that, in fact, in that case, elephant was code for for uh, some some financial hold that needed to be to be filled up. In any way, the elephant in the room is the my legal case, and I want to ask for forgiveness to everybody who believed in me in that business in Kid Digital, a company that took public on the NASDAQ in 2009, the company I was chairman and CEO of for four and a half years. I want to ask, ask for forgiveness from shareholders who believed in me and lost money, shareholders who believed in me and made money but could have made more or might not have invested had they understood certain things that had gone on at that company. I want to ask for forgiveness from other market players who lost confidence in the video technology sector, perhaps as a result of what happened in that company. And it's still an amazing sector. That company is actually still around. Kit Digital is now called Pixel. It went through restructuring. And it's still a leader in its space. But I'm sure that we impaired the development of that sector and maybe even impaired the way that you know, video gets distributed on on mobile devices and Roku and internet-enabled TVs as a result of what happened at Kit Digital, and now called, now called Pixel, as I said. I want to ask for forgiveness from the employees that believed in me and felt let down and the consultants and the partners and the customers at that company. And I want to ask for forgiveness for all of the competitors, the people around us who aspired to be, because we were the leader in the space at that time, to be like us, where I wasn't setting the example, we weren't setting the example that we should have at that company. So I want to start weirdly with the easiest. Isn't that, I think that's weird. That for me, the easiest thing to ask for forgiveness for is mistakes in business and things that got me in legal trouble. And if my lawyers listening to this, I'm sure that they're rubbing their eyes and shaking their head. But I'm talking about it at a deep emotional level. I'm not talking about in some sort of intellectual level. Of course, asking forgiveness with what I'm asking for here with respect to my case is very difficult intellectually because it's complex. And I, there's so many things I want to say around that. I want to give asterisks. I want to explain, but, but, but. And I'm not doing that. I'm just straight out asking for forgiveness and saying that I'm sorry. And that being said, there are deeper levels, which I've discovered through guilt, because I've been living as a guilty man, as someone that has been determined by our society as guilty. So guilt has been a massive part of my consciousness over these last number of years. 
and I'm trying, I have been trying, I'm trying to try to make that into uh, a positive. Okay. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting, I just said, uh, I'm now getting a number of texts. I got one text that keeps the message simple. <laughs> okay. I'm going to keep the message simpler. Uh, I ask for forgiveness with respect to my case from everybody that was hurt and was affected by it. I also want to ask for forgiveness at a deeper level for from my family and my friends who had believed in me beyond business, beyond what I could achieve in the outer world, but were most impressed by what I could be in the inner world. And the principle I had of making good by doing good, being involved in businesses that could have a positive impact in society, that message that I was putting out there, it ultimately had an ironic and tragic inconsistency to it. I want to ask for forgiveness from you if it in any way torqued the direction that you took in your life, your career. Okay, I need a pause and I need I need some help. So I'm going to uh, go for through a couple of um, questions or comments. And I because I didn't get this specifically with the permission to give a name, I'm just going to read one listener's uh, request. I want to, this listener uh, is from Texas. I want to ask for, for forgiveness from everyone that, and there are many that were part of my life and who are hurt by me. Most importantly, those who I hurt while life was providing me with teaching moments that I not so long ago regretted, but today I cherish. I cherish for why, for I was also hurt while I was hurting others, but that was the way life was to make me a better and more tolerant person. I can only aim at humility as I will never get there, but I am now a more humble and more respectful person of others. Please forgive me. You know who you are. I didn't give the names. I'm not sure they know who they are. But if that listener wants to give permission for me to give their name, I can. So that's a, a general request for forgiveness. I have a request here that is a, a good segue before we take our next break, because in the next break, I'm going to simplify the message as a listener <laughs> suggested I do. And, okay, this listener, the last listener I quoted has given me permission to give his name. That was Rick from Texas asking for forgiveness. Okay, this next listener asks for forgiveness for infidelities in his marriage, that he has recently asked for forgiveness from his wife, and he's not going to give his name or his wife's name, but he feels it's important to ask again in this setting. And I think I, I'm not going to read the rest of what was written here, just for the sake of time and privacy, but I appreciate you saying that in the next segment. We're going to get into similar themes. We're talking about forgiveness and healing. You can be a part of this conversation by calling or texting. You can call 718-303-9090. You can text 917 917- 428-4062. Again, you can text to 917-428-4062. We'll be right back.
Dove Tasman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. I've been You're back on Equal Footing. I am Dove Tuzman, and my guests tonight are you as listeners, uh, opening up around my own path, uh, the, the ups, the downs, uh, asking for forgiveness and giving uh, forgiveness as a means of healing. I actively encourage you to participate. Thank you to that last listener who talked about infidelity, uh, that's a, a big part of what I feel I need to ask for forgiveness for. And that, unfortunately, has been a challenge off and on throughout my adult life, uh, fidelity in relationships. And specifically, just so I'm not parsing words or evading responsibility, uh, cheating on women that I have been with in my life in committed relationships. And I want to ask for forgiveness for those betrayals. I don't think it's fair to mention the names, but I am doing so in the context of this show directly with those people. And I think at times where I have in the past asked for forgiveness in this area or transgressed and brought it up or been caught in a transgression, I have at times tried to shift blame. I have at times tried to ascribe it to pressures I was under, ascribe it to problems in the relationship from my perception, from my perspective, ascribe it to uh, some sort of impulsive behavior, uh, et cetera. And really, at the root of it, those were evasions of responsibility and, and not, uh, not a place that I should have gone or, or should, should ever go. And I know this from previous shows, because when we do shows on fidelity, when we do shows on heartbreak, 
when we do shows on um, betrayal. Consistently, we get more listenership, and on the da- on the downloaded side, we get more people listening afterwards. So I know that this is a hot-button issue. You know, depending on the statistic and the country, in a committed relationship of five years or more, you have indexes, indices of infidelity sexually that range anywhere from 40% to 80%, depending on the studies. I actually expected this was going to be the first thing I was going to bring up tonight, but it just didn't naturally flow that way. So I was doing some work on the frequency of this. And, you know, I have addressed on this show before because I'm curious about it, not because it's a, a lifestyle necessarily that I endorse or I'm personally interested in, but I've explored in the show before what is the true meaning of fidelity. Is it monogamy or is it clarity in the relationship and other other models that can work and still be called faithful? And I know that some of our religious listeners, um, in fact, I remember getting yelled at by one listener who I appreciated calling in. Listeners, I appreciated her listening to the program because she called in around the 48th minute, if I recall. So she definitely listened and then gave me her point of view that it wasn't even appropriate to discuss that. And I do appreciate that that uh, some of these uh, shows have been difficult. Maybe this one is difficult right now uh, for, for folks listening and you want to you know, hang up or you think it's drivel or self-pitying or whatever. Uh, and you know, I don't shy away from that stuff. In this case, I... I want to put it out there very clearly um, that we can ask for forgiveness in this without caveats. And I ask for that without caveats. And I forgive the same. I have been in a number of relationships, not nearly as many as where I've cheated. I'm 49, guys, so, and I'm unmarried. <laughs> and I was only married once for. But, you know, a few years, so had a lot of opportunity to participate in and be subject to infidelity. And I, I forgive, I truly forgive uh, where I have been transgressed upon in this area with all my heart because I know I'm going to sound kind of, I think I'm going to sound Catholic. I think I've been hanging out with uh, friars and, and priests maybe more often than I, than I should be, <laughs> but Sins of the flesh are very con- con- you know, complex. I know in, in Judaism we don't have the same exact concept, but the you know those those impulses that lead us to addiction, that lead us to transgress sexually, that lead us to you know lose our temper in a circumstance we don't want to. Those I, I think they're somehow different than than certain other types of of, um, of transgressions. But when they repeat themselves, as they have in my life, on both sides of the equation. There's something more there than an impulse. There's there's a problem that's endemic, and I want to root out that problem on both sides. I want to root out the problem in terms of my behavior, and I want to root out the problem in terms of attracting people in, into my life that that are uh, also um, sub, you know susceptible to that. So I don't know if that hit a chord with anybody, and this is a tough one to name names because that's not fair to the people involved, but. If you're listening now or if you've downloaded this later, know that I mean you. I mean you um, on both sides, that I ask for forgiveness and I forgive. All right. Uh, Let's take a call. 
it's a little challenging because I have no idea what the call's going to be like because I'm not in studio. There's no call screener. So, Dimitri, I understand there's a caller on line one. Go ahead. Good evening, Doug. Oh, Stan. This is the one I, call you didn't want to get. I Doug. know. You this know is what? the one call you I was didn't want to get. Call. I was hoping you would call, but I just... Okay. You're honest enough. And I, I hear fear, and you're a scared person tonight. Very fearful and very scared. Not a psychiatrist, but I hear this in your voice. You have a reckoning coming, according to you, tomorrow. And you decided to do a show on forgiveness. And uh, it's sort of a little weird that you're doing this to yourself on the air. Uh, you've been having a show for almost a year, doing diff- different topics, many good topics, many questions. We've always asked questions. But tonight it's, it's about the guy in the mirror. It's about you. And it may be too late. Not because you don't, the topic of forgiveness is a very open and hard thing for many people. People forgive. Look, Jesus Christ on the cross forgave his his torturers. But tonight, you're in a situation, and I think I hear fear and and worry from you, because you don't know if you're going to be on. You said it yourself. Uh, I think what you need to do is whatever's going to be be tomorrow, and then move on from there. Uh, it's not for me to, you know, you ask, can I, should I, I'm not, in, to me, I'm not calling to ask for forgiveness or to be forgiven for anything. The topic is dove, and the topic is, and I have no right to forgive you or not forgive you. I, I've read about all your situation in the New York Post. They may be a little bit more critical. I've read everything, and it's not good. But to some extent, you've tried to come back and heal yourself and do some positive things. That's good. But tonight, it's just maybe too late for all of these forgiveness. Everybody forgives, but why tonight? Because tomorrow is a reckoning. As you see it, there's going to be something happening. That's why you're doing this show. I understand why you're doing it. And I think you'll agree. I think you have a fear in your voice and you're scared. Am I not right? You're absolutely right that I'm scared. It is? Well, look, whatever has to be tomorrow uh, was put into the situation by you. Well, guy in the mirror is what did this. You know it better than anybody. You've got people that love you. Absolutely, that's important. But uh, I'm not Pontius Pilate here. And I don't want to be, and I don't think anybody has the right to forgive you or not forgive you. We're here to listen. And I think what you're doing tonight is a little like whipping oneself and hurting oneself. I don't think you need to do that. I think you're basically, you know, you've been through whatever, and tomorrow's going to be a reckoning. You have to deal with it. And I think you will deal with it. But hopefully you'll be back next Thursday. I'll be calling. But if you're not... It is what it is, and you've got to deal with it, and I think you will. You have family, you said, you have family members who love you and friends who care about you, and that's great, and that's important. But we're having this show because of the past and what has happened, what was done. I didn't do it, and so I think you know better than all of us, the people listening, your engineer, what is the situation. And I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed here. I'm not a per- person who prays. But I'm a lot of person who hopes, 
and I hope everything goes well for you tomorrow. That I do. I mean that. And so I want to be able to talk to you next Thursday. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully we'll have a nicer show. But, but whatever's going to be is going to be. And you know this day was coming, obviously, your lawyer's at. So just deal with it the best way you can be, and that's it. And uh, don't crack up and be a man about it. And I think you will, and you have people that will support you. And that will be it. And if you're not on next Thursday, you're not on next Thursday. That's the way it is. You got other more important. There are more important things in the world, with all respect, than this is a talk show. One's life, one's mental and, health. But, and as always, as always, you're you're totally candid, and I've really enjoyed talking to you over this last year. And I'm I, hoping uh, you're back next week. I mean that. I'm uh, hoping you're back. I, but if it doesn't happen, I, uh, take care of yourself, and that's the main you. thing. Absolutely. I have a reaction and a question. You're asking uh, me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got a question for you. So the reaction is, I think you're right. I'm scared. I think you're right. I, I felt that wrong. absolutely, yeah. yeah. And 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 the, the only part of the reaction that I wouldn't necessarily be on the same wavelength with you is that I actually, this, the show tonight, in a sense, was... Uh, absolute, well, not in a sense, was absolutely unexpected, and in fact was a game-time decision about 15 minutes before. But was it necessary, Doug? Was it necessary? I don't... You, you I think don't it was? Think it, no, I don't, I don't think... I don't think... I can't presume to say that it was necessary. What I can say is that there were things that I wanted to express if I don't have the opportunity to express them again in a recorded format that isn't in the structured... Uh, protocol of the of the court, but do have to do with guilt and do have to do with forgiveness. I understand. Let me ask you a question. I mean, sure, please go ahead. No problem. If if you were forced, and we're gonna we have a couple other callers, and we're gonna sure, I'll make it quick. Go ahead. Quick, sure. quick question: If you were forced to ask for forgiveness from somebody in your life, and you were forced to forgive, what, what would, who would those two people be? It's a tough question. You're asking a difficult question. Most of my relatives, my mother and father and my relatives, I've never been married. I, uh, I fought in a war. I had to kill people. And someone said to me, once when I went, before I was leaving the war, the psychiatrist, they, you always meet somebody. They say, somebody said, do you, do you want to forgive somebody? Do you want, you know, is, do you want forgiveness for what you've done? And I said, no. I don't want forgiveness for what I did. Uh, if I felt guilt, and so I, I, I miss my mother and father, but if I can forgive anything, I forgive that if there was a God, why He took them away. I'm not in. So that's it. I really, I haven't sought forgiveness from anybody, and I don't know if that's good or bad, but not lately at all. I must be honest. That's or am I, I'm not married. I don't have a family. I'm not trying to, you know, evade it. I just. I haven't had the setup to say, "Will you forgive me for this?" Dan, I hope, I hope we can put a pin in this, and next week you'll call in. I hope there'll be another topic other than this, and, a good, and, I've got, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm hoping the best. You the best of luck. I love you. The best of luck. Thank you very much. I'm going to take. All right, take care. Godspeed. Bye bye. Dimitri, let's take risk. I believe on uh, on line two. Yeah. Yeah, hi, Dove. Hi, Risky. Yeah. 
Um, I called you once. I was very annoyed with your show. I've been trying to listening to listen to your program all this time. Because only not because I want to listen to your program, but I'm used to turning on talk line at seven o'clock, and I'm used to Jewish programming. I there was a, a few program programs. I even left Zev Brenner a message. They were so disgusting. They were so disgusting, proselytizing to us different religions that I just turned it off. And I wanted to know why this is on at an early hour when the children are still around, and I turned on the radio. I have to turn it off because of this. So I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I forgive you, but the reason I'm calling you is because I I hear that you're a Jewish person. Am I correct? You are. Are, are you Jewish? Okay, so so I, I I love all people actually, but I have a special love for Jewish people, and I just I feel bad. You are very mixed up. So is Stan, by the way. Instead, his whole message to you, he didn't once mention God except. What he said, if there is a God, why did he take away my parents? Well, I got news for you. My parents are gone, too. I don't ask God why he took them away. This is the way of the world. You know, you guys, you're atheists anyhow, so you don't believe in anything. You do know that you reach a certain age and you die. So I'm sure Stan knew that his parents will eventually die. But there is a God. There definitely is a God. And if he would pray, it would help his parents, and it would cause a connection from heaven, which I have found happened to me more than once, that I, I get a dream or something, or somehow I get a message about something, and it helps me in a certain difficult situation. But it could only happen when you have a deep love of God. And now you're yes, at a very... You're in a very big sakana now. You know what sakana is? You're a big sakana. You have a decision tomorrow. Have you ever said tell him before? Yes, Can you of read course. tell him? Yes. Yes. They also there's art scrolls. I'm sure you know where they have it in English. But try to read it in Hebrew and then look <laughs> at it in English so you can get the interpretation. And and David Abela. <sighs> He addresses every issue that we've been in. Every single issue. There's a, a capital Yud Gibel that people say 13 times. And that brings a Yeshua. Ad Anna, we ask Hashem, to when will I be suffering so? Anani, answer me, Hashem. Help me, Hashem. You say that capital 13 times and give tzedakah and ask for forgiveness from God. The people, I'm not sure they, that's Beit Adam Lachavera. I'm not sure that they're going to forgive you. I, I, I'm a little angry at you, too, for, for, for uh, um, exposing me to shows that I didn't want to hear. I accidentally tuned in and I heard it, and it really aggravated me. Yes, but, so, Could I, can I interrupt for a sec so just because I want to make sure you have the opportunity? I'm not sure yeah. that the people that you're asking forgiveness from are going to forgive you, you. But now it's not even an issue of asking them. You've got to ask God to forgive you. 
Hashem, you have to ask Hashem to forgive you. You have to dive into Hashem. Forget about the people. The people don't count right now. It's Hashem that counts, despite Stan, who doesn't believe in this. You dive into Hashem and make a deal with Hashem. Now, let me just finish. I know you want to talk, okay? I am a child of a Holocaust survivor. My father, Olofsham, he went through more hell than you went through. And he was at a younger age. He was a young teenager. But he came out of it having lost his family. He had a rabbi who helped him. This rabbi lost something like 13 children and his wife. And the rabbi said, I believe in God. And God, I am going to show you that I'm going to do something for mankind to show also the Nazis that we never again, and we will, we will, uh, we will survive you. We will, we'll have the last laugh. This rabbi opened the hospital yeah. in Israel. He Risky, opened Risky, let me let me interrupt because we have just a few minutes things, left. And yeah, that's I, I, what I, you, I, I hear if you have the money, that's what you should do with gotcha. it. Gotcha. Risky, I, I really appreciate you calling in. I appreciate you uh, bringing this back to, to God. I honor your lineage. My grandfather, in blessed memory, and my grandmother, in blessed memory, and my mother's parents were both survivors. We lost much of our family. I, I hear that. In fact, I wanted to end this program asking for forgiveness from him, from my grandfather. We were very close, and we had a rift near the end of his life. So it was very appropriate for you to, for you to bring that up. Bittachon, reliance, trust in God, even in moments where it seems like there is none, is absolutely core uh, to my life. We come at these topics perhaps from different perspectives, and that's part of the purpose of the show. And you're right. It's possible that no one will forgive me. And I, and that, that is definitely uh, a circumstance <laughs> that often is the case when we ask for forgiveness. But we have the power to forgive ourselves. So I will tell you, Risky, that I appreciate you calling in, that I, you know, forgive you for certain <laughs> you know, some of the, the, the things over time that you've said when I don't have any ill intent. In fact, quite the opposite. I want to shine a light on topics that can bring us together. And I do... Uh, continue to ask for forgiveness from from those, even though I know from those people out there that I care about and love, and that even though I know it's possible they won't forgive me. We're coming up on time. I appreciate uh, very much the opportunity to have done the show. I am sorry that it, this was about kind of the man in the mirror, as as uh, as as Stan pointed out. We probably used, should have used that as closing music. Great song by Michael Jackson. And most of all, uh, I want to I want to close with the message of healing. And as I just said, I want to ask for forgiveness for my grandfather and blessed memory, Arnold Tuzman, Arnold Tuzman, um, because I didn't have the opportunity to really do so before he passed. God bless everybody. I hope we'll be back on equal footing next week. Wishing you Godspeed, glory. There will be mountains you won't move. Still, I'll always be there for you How I do I let go of my claim on you It's a free world
Sometimes